following is a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live, breaking into... Featuring in-depth interviews with today's most influential entertainment figures, highlighting their tips, tricks, and techniques on breaking into the entertainment industry. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host of Black Hollywood Live, breaking into. Hey. (laughs) The writing's on the wall. That's right. Welcome. It's on the cup, too, James. It's on the the, cup. It's on the cup. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. I am your host, James Law Jr. And of course, you can follow our Facebook page, Breaking Into, and you can use the hashtag Breaking Into on Twitter, the tweeting machine. And of course, you can find me at Black Hope LA. That's B L A K H O P E L A. And I'm so excited today. I'm glad you guys are here because I have someone who I've known for a while, and this dude does a lot. Let's get it started. He's an actor in films, commercials, TV shows, web series. He's also has been a host. I think I believe he hosted the Emmys uh, for MSN.com. He is also a he's voted best com- favorite comedy teacher and favorite comedy class by Backstage.com for his, uh, his for his class StandUpComedyClass.com. And he's also a magician associated with. Magic Castle here in LA. He's a corporate entertainer. He's been a magical advisor on shows. I mean, this guy was also one of my first clients. Because maybe you guys know I have a business, super organizer. One of my first clients six years ago. And I used to call him my friend, yeah. Jerry Katzman. Hey, James. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for coming. Get applause. For you, I'm mean, used to applause. I know you're used to applause. I know you are. No, but uh, thank you. And you know, your business, your super organizer business, made a really big difference in my life. I was just talking to you about this recently. I'd moved into a home, and in Venice, I was in, tra- in transition from moving from Los Feliz, where I used to live, to Venice. Yeah, that's right. And it, we just had so much stuff to go through. And James, you have such a cool methodology for taking, you know, what looks like an insurmountable task and just keep chunking it down, chunking it down. Now, my place is unrecognizable thanks to you, your sort of techniques and your technology. I love what you do at Super oh, Thank you for saying it. It's my, it's my anniversary actually coming up next week, six years in the business. Wow. And you're one of my first people. Yeah, it's so it's so amazing that you can just kind of go into you do so many things also, but that you can just go into someone's life and just it's funny because what you do is you're like a an amplifier for other people. Mm. So I'm able to touch more students. I'm able to act in more you. things. Yeah. I'm able to do more things better because I don't have all this clutter lying around and I'm able to just execute on things, you know, and that's a, a gift that you give every one of your clients. Thank you. Cause I was going to ask you, how has it affected, I'll put you stay close to the mic a little bit. Oh, sure. Make sure. Uh, so I was going to ask you about this. So actually it has kind of cleared your brain yeah. to do better work. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all on a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, today I was thinking about what the difference between professional and a non-professional mm-hmm. okay. and a professional, which I've, I'm always feeling unprofessional. You could read a thousand more things. I could have won Emmys and Oscars and still feel like, in fact, my friends who have won those things always feel like, oh, I'm such a screw up, right? I mean, mm. you never get over that unless you're just a supremely confident person. But, you know, I, I was thinking about on the drive here, you know, I texted you 
but this is five o'clock. I texted you at three and I said something like, Hey, I'm going to head over early. <laughs> That's something you don't do in the early part of your no. career. You just learn through crying at the steering wheel. Like, why am I late for this? Why am I always doing this? And eventually you get older right. or wiser or more experienced. I, I've always been sort of the, the guy who cuts it to the last minute, but to your point, you know, what have you, what has working with you done for me? You know, slowly you just get, you 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 pay the parking ticket immediately. That's right. You know what I mean? It's right. that kind of stuff. And yeah. you can't do that when you've got a big pile of stuff. You feel like I can't do anything. So by keeping those right. piles down, by keeping everything maintenanced, you know, it's an ongoing process. I'm terrible at it, but I've gotten a lot better <laughs> through you. And you're able to actually do all the things you want to do. The commercials, the teaching, the, you know, the web series, the films, the hosting. Yeah, I'm in a better position to do mm-hmm. it. It's not, uh, you know, but I'm still sometimes screw stuff up or <laughs> don't, I don't grab every opportunity, but I'm trying to, you know, and I think that, I think that's very important. You know, maybe who knows who's watching this, but somewhere out there, there's someone watching this and, you know, they're 15, they're 18, they're 20, mm-hmm. or they're 50 and want to start a career. You know, I was always intimidated because I thought everyone else got everything perfect. Mm. You know, but I have a siblings who are like very, very accomplished yeah, people, yeah. business people. And even them, I go, well, you know, what's this? And they're like, oh, it's a parking ticket. I forgot to pay it. And I go, so even you, you're the head of an organization. You, it, It's about not beating yourself up for not yes, being perfect. Yes, forgiving yourself. That's as big of a thing of success or in Hollywood and everywhere then, you know, then what kind of headshots to get? Because eventually you're going to hit a point where you screw something up, whether you give a bad audition, a bad performance, a bad... Double book. Du- anything. I've done that a couple times. Totally, right? Yeah. And the older me, the pre-organized me and, and pre-therapy me and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yes. Goes like, oh, I don't deserve to be in this. I'm going to screw it up again. Why should I even try? You know, I better stop trying. And then the new you, if you're listening to this or... The, the you that kind of, you go, wait, everyone makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. There is an unlimited number of chances. Yes, there is. And, you know, the, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, uh, 40 years from now, you would have wanted to start today. Oh, how funny. I like that. Right? Like, because yeah. you think, oh, I'm already this old. Why should I start learning piano? Yeah, but when you're 80, you're going to wish that you start. Mm-hmm. So you, that's an attitude that I'm really, I've tried to encourage within myself, within people that mm-hmm. I come in contact with. There's no such thing as perfect. Give yourself a break and just pick up from where you are and try and make stuff and do stuff. That's what it's You've such a great point because we talked this on the show over and over again, the different guests I've had of different ages and different stations. Like for myself, I started over at 40. Yeah. I started completely over at 40. Yeah. And some people were like, you're crazy. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? It's too late. Like, you, it's were too late. Cor- you were corporate, right? You yeah. did all oh, kinds yeah. of corporate oh, yeah. stuff. And then you went, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. But some people are like, that's crazy. I'm like, that's not crazy. That's actually smart. I'm trying something. Yeah. And 40 isn't that old, folks. Yeah. In the scheme of things. No, not given that lots of people live to 100 right. or more or right. 90, whatever, that means you've got more than half a lifetime left. Mm-hmm. So to just give up and go, well, I've already made my bed and whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. some people have to live like that. Yeah. But yeah. fortunately, you were in a place where you could say, I have the means to start and live my dreams. And now... You know, you're you have you host your own soap opera show. You're in contact on a daily basis with people that you used to watch and go, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, if only I could be part of that yes, world." Totally. And yes. I think what we both stand for, you and myself, mm-hmm. that we're saying to people, "Look, the steps you have to take to be part of whatever world you see Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. on the TV screen or Margaret Cho or anyone else, and mm-hmm. you say Amy Schumer, and you go." First, you, your first thought as a person, if you're, say, a funny person, you go, 
oh my god, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Then immediately is the thought of all the reasons why he can't oh, do yeah. that. Oh yeah, too old. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. Yes. I, I, it's too late. All of these twos, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I think what you're, you and I are trying to both express and also live ourselves is the the chasm between this and this is not as wide or as deep as you think. And just starting the path, suddenly you realize, oh wait, I'm actually. I'm here. I mean, it must be amazing for you, I'm sure, as a soap opera fan for most of your life, to be friends and to be co-workers. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yes, it is. I had a moment. uh, We did Day of Days, which is this um, at Universal Studios. And you guys can see my videos on my YouTube channel, of course. Um, But there, we got, when I was sitting there, we were picking who we, there's three of us, who gets to interview whom. It was like, I could took any of them because, again, I grew up with all of them. I had something to say to each of them. The moment that really stuck with me was talking to his name is James Reynolds. He's played Abe for 100 years, and he's African-American. And he's one of the longest-running African-American characters on, a, on any soap. Yeah. So for me to meet him, interview him, I told him that. I got a chance, I got a chance to tell him that on camera that he inspired me. And that just because just having him on the screen just was, like, inspiration enough. Yeah. And what's crazy is some days you're going to be somewhere and someone's going to come up to you and go, you inspired me, you know, and that's, that's the gift. That's sort of the, the circle of whatever you want to call it, the circle of life mm-hmm. or whatever. We're just trying to, that guy thought he could be an actor, had all the reasons why he couldn't be an actor, mm-hmm. thought, well, I'm to this, I'm from, and my voice is wrong, my accent is wrong, whatever the thing is. And then he just started walking and boom, now he's the old, you know, the most long running African American mm-hmm. star of any soap opera. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the chasm between spark of a dream and having the dream is very small, but it just doesn't seem that way. And so that's why both you and I are in the business of ushering people across that chasm. So it's exciting for both of us to be on the same show today. I know it is. And I want to, I want to go right into your comedy class. Okay, yeah, sure. Because I had a chance, I had a great chance, to be there and see one of your classes. Right. And also and actually go to the final performance, which is to see everything come to fruition. Yeah. Your class was so impressive by these ways. One, it was very supportive, which you just don't see that very much. Very supportive, very nurturing, very collaborative, yeah. which I didn't expect. Can you, ex- okay, so stand-up comedy <laughs> class, can you expand on that? When did you start it yeah. and, and your style? So, okay, so we started in 2003. Wow. Um, there's a long story that I, I think I'll <laughs> stay out of because it's a really interesting one, but um, so we've won favorite comedy class in L.A. Yeah. I've won favorite comedy teacher in L.A. Uh, my students well are um, you know, Emmy Award winning writers for Ellen uh, this past month or two. Uh, my student Tamara Catan won. Tam, my, yes, yeah, we love who him. You, who we know independently. Yes, my alumni. Do. I shouldn't say student because – but you know, because the funny thing is I don't talk a lot about this because I feel like um, it's almost like going to a doctor or something. Oh, you know. Yeah. But but let's just say lots of people in my crew who we're all still friends Yes, as well, yeah, and you are. I know. Yeah. Um, we do really well. Everyone's doing amazing things. I've got people on uh, writing for uh, Jane Lynch's show. Two of my people are writing for her show. You know, just so many people doing so much good stuff. And the ethos of my class is that nobody's funny unless everybody's funny. I like that. So, you know, you can go to a lot of different comedy teachers. And thank goodness, because I'm not the teacher for everybody. And that guy's not the teacher for everybody. So they end up, you end up finding the person you want to work out with. But for me, what I try and do is create a group of people who are as committed to each other as they are to themselves. Mm. And I work very hard. You you see the fruits of that labor. But when you walk into one of our classes, 90%, 99% of the time, 
everyone feels like it's like a family reunion. I do. I felt that way. Every class feels like a family reunion. We love each other. And then we put our egos to the side. I have some practices, best practices that make it so that there's no competition. It's super collaborative. When people are mad at each other, which happens in art, you know, okay. art, art is yeah. a, a tug of war yeah. between me and them, between them and each other. I put down some really good practices to make, you know, we have rules about gossip where it's like, if you're ticked at someone, you have to go directly to that person and tell them what's the matter. Okay. You know, we've, I've taken every best practice from every group I've ever been in and employed it in my class so that what you end up with is hopefully the ultimate in the most supportive, collaborative, free spirited, fun, funny, uh, group of artists working together to improve not only themselves, but everyone else's in the crew so that by the end we have this incredible material it's not just your brain it's nine other people's brains mm-hmm. plus my brain and we have these incredible shows and people book a ton of work out of it I mean, we just have it is one of the more exciting things I think in the comedy um, the situation here in town and what what most gratifies me about it is I get feedback from people that I don't even know going like you know this may be arrogant I may be say it I don't care say it but I think that you know, there's hundreds of people who've come out of this thing, and we all are bound by these sort of rules of comportment where we treat each other really well. And then those people are out now, and they're the ones running shows. Yeah. And I think that we've contributed to a kinder, more healthy, more gentle, more woman friendly. Yes. More Zoe women- Rogers. Yeah. Right. Zoe Rogers has Love incredible her. shows. Last night was Karmic Comedy. She raised, I don't even know how much for uh, multiple, yeah. you know, I mean, she, they're just people doing such amazing mm-hmm. things. I think the kindness and the love level of LA comedy has certainly risen through what I believe to be a uh, more enlightened or en- enlivened or just collaborative ethos of stand-up, which wasn't always there. I was going to say, I always believe, always, I have this mini rant, I always say that um, people should be nice and I should be the norm. Mm, yeah. yeah my, Why not? That's right. My dad always said, says, uh, you know, it takes so much effort to be unpleasant. Then why mm-hmm. not just be nice? And, you know, it's it's true, but, you know, it used to be, I think it's less now, but it used to be in this business, there's just so many SOBs who just enjoyed domineering and, sh- and showing off their power. I think it's gotten a little better. For you coming up in this, because you've done stand-up too, sure. right, and all that, how was it? How did you get through some of the those early years, <laughs> like going through some of those? I mean, I go- didn't know about coaches and therapy and stuff uh, okay. like that. I, there have been many times, James, where my career was over because what would happen is, and, I, and this happens to me today, it happens to my friends, say my students, say all these, my alumni. You have an experience, right? You're acting in something. The director does a power trip on you and says something mean, yeah. mean, mean, mean. You just get frozen. You get paralyzed, or just anything can happen. Mm. You have a bad show, right? And and you know, I'm reading a lot of books right now. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm not a self-help uh, junkie, and I'm not super spiritual, although I'm like somewhat spiritual. Mm-hmm. I'm like spiritual skeptical. Mm-hmm. But I'm reading a, I am read a lot of books, and I, the books I'm reading right now are all about shame. There's oh, an author okay. named Brene Brown. She's one of Oprah's yes, favorite authors. Yep. She has a book called The Gifts of Imperfection, and this is about how shame just paralyzes us. You have a bad show, and instead of going... Here's a help, two contexts. And this is, by the way, this will relate to everyone in any industry. Ooh, okay? okay. Okay. Yes. But let's put it in the stand up comedy industry. Okay. Let's say I'm a stand up comic and I have some jokes I wrote down and I'm going to go up and perform at a show. Now, even right now, it doesn't even sound like anything important, but I, it's happening through my lens of my world. So it feels important. Okay. okay. I go up, they look at me like, you know, oh, God, this is not funny. Right? They just give me crickets. Now, 
in a healthy context, what's going on? I'm like a chemist or a wizard or whatever. I'm a chemist. I'm just trying to find out if chemical A and chemical B, right. if they mix together, what kind of reaction they get. Yeah. So when a chemist puts together things like that, and if they don't come together, he doesn't go, oh, I'm a horrible chemist. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who am I joking? Who am I kidding that I'm a chemist? No, he doesn't give himself that that trip do you know what I'm saying yeah he just says okay those chemicals don't work in the way that I thought yeah. I'm going to go back to the drawing board but in art and in comedy what happens is you have a bad show and you go oh my god I, why am I even in this way and you'll stop performing for six months or three months or mm-hmm. however long till you pick yourself up and what these books are about Brene Brown's uh, Gifts of Imperfection is kind of like getting yourself out of that shame spiral yeah. calling up a friend who you can trust with your feelings and go I just had the worst show and I want to quit and let them normalize you and explain. There's a book, right. by the way, for comedians watching out there called I Killed uh, by Rich Steidner. And it's comedians telling s- shameful stories of their How failures. Okay. And when you read, you know, Ray Romano t- talk about when he was on a cruise, bombed, and for the rest of the week he's on the cruise and everyone's <laughs> just looking at him like, oh, you're the horrible comedian, right? <laughs> and he, he, ha- he just, it's the yeah. worst. But yeah. seeing that it happens to everybody, n- people don't talk about their failures enough. When someone famous talks about their failure, suddenly you feel like you can do it too. And mm-hmm. that, that's a big part of what also we're about, you know, transparency and, and just trying to, you know, be real. I love that in your class, uh, when I was observing you, you sat there and I kept getting, there was two, there was two yous going on there in my observation. One was, um, you're listening as an audience. Yeah. Like you're right. truly listening without judgment. Yeah. I felt it when I was watching you. You're sitting there. I'm sitting there listening to see if this is really funny. Right. Is the joke working? Right. As just a regular audience member. And then I, I feel like you're all, but you're also <laughs> listening as a teacher also. Yeah. For different cues and things. And it's for you to write down, okay, suggest this, invite them to think this way. Um, very much like a coach. Very much like a life coach, which right. is what I do, like what you do. Um, I felt that. Both times, I, f- I felt that. It was like... That's a talent. Uh, I don't know if you call it a talent, but that's something I developed being a magician. Ooh, okay. So I started my career at the age of six years old. My dad gave me a magic set, and within like a year or two, I was performing professionally. I was eight. What? I was eight doing paid birthday gigs for six-year-olds. That's oh how I started. <laughs> and as a magician, if you're going to ever enjoy magic again, you have to do this very interesting trick with your brain. You literally, since I know a lot of the principles of yeah. magic, yeah. when I go to a magic show, I literally have to shut that side of my brain. Oh, right. Entirely off. And you can? Yeah. Okay, okay. And then go, be amazed and in, in love with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then after it's over, if I want to, I can turn back on the okay. analytical brain. So okay. that's what you're seeing. Okay. You know? Okay, because I'm like, that would be... Well, that's multitasking at its best, obviously, too. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, I can now be this one person and still be the other. That's right, because you have to be. You can't be judging. And this goes for yourself. This is a really important tip or trick. When you're creating, you're creating. And when you're critiquing, you're critiquing. Mm. And you don't want to be critiquing yourself as you create. Yes, I like that. So when That's kids good. are drawing, you know, like little kids, three, yeah. four, five, they're coloring, coloring, painting, whatever. they're having the best time in the world. Right. And then one day someone says to them, Ew, you drove outside the lines. Mm-hmm. And here's what we do as humans. The kid goes, I don't like coloring anymore. Right. Cause, and you know it's true because when was the last time you colored? But you used to love to color. That's true. And they're just, it's so interesting how the evaluate, this is also in Brene Brown's book. I mean, it's just 
all about evaluating yourself and you just don't want to do it. And what I teach in my classes is something that I learned from one of my acting teachers, okay. Milton Katselis, uh, who is a, was a very well-renowned director, uh, a controversial figure, but an interesting guy. Like and that. he used to say, that which you criticize, you cannot become. Ooh. And That's very profound. It is profound. Wait, really think about that. Say it one more time. I'm going to hear it again. That which you criticize... You cannot become. I like that. So yeah. to me, what that means is like, think of a two guys in middle school and they're at the middle school dance and they see their friend Jeffrey with this girl, Tina, whatever. And he's trying to dance with her and they're like, look at him. He's such a nerd. He can't dance. What a horrible dancer. Oh my God. Right. Look at him. He's all too lefty. And then at that moment, a pretty girl comes over to them and goes, Hey, do you guys want to dance? And they go like, uh, no, that's okay. Because... You know, karma's a boomerang. Oh, sure is. You know, and so you, all of your attention that you vituperate other people with comes zooming back mm. to you. When college, people used to just make fun of Keanu Reeves, right? Mm. Oh, a terrible actor. Oh, he's like wood block wood. Okay, fine. But then what happens when they go, okay, hey, Jerry, now we're going to put the camera on you. Right. <gasps> right. So what I teach, try to teach my students is to really turn down that critic not only of themselves yeah but if you it's easier to see it when you do it to other people yeah. so you start turning it down on other people it starts to go down on its own and mm-hmm. stuff everything gets better because you get to be more creative i agree i have been trying for last trying because i have been doing it but the last five years taking judgment getting myself to call the seat of judgment in my life period wow great um and when i became a life coach they teach you that from coaching from center and all that stuff you can't be in judgment you just can't no. it doesn't really serve any purpose and your clients will hate you. Oh, they totally hate you. They totally hate you. They wouldn't hire me anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just judgment. But you don't even realize how much judgment permeates your life. Oh, my God, man. It's, what you do and what comes back. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's uh, like, it's okay. So when I started doing this thing that Milton had us all turned down yeah. on judgment about other things, I realized that I come from a great family, but we do stuff that's a little judgy. <laughs> and so one thing we would do is like, if you, if you went out to dinner, which is like, Already, you're privileged enough to be going out. That's a dinner. No, right. They bring over the bread basket. And I have the kind of family who would be like, "Mm, it's not warm. It's cold. (laughs) It's cold bread. Now, here's the trick to this. Really kind of... Okay, so let's say I was that guy who'd be like, "Mm, it's cold. It's cold. All right, fine. Now, what I've noticed is that since I started turning down my judgment and my criticism, I get invited over for dinner more. Mm. Now, why is that? Because if I used to be the guy who'd go, you see, it's cold... What I didn't realize is everyone else at that table goes, wow, Jerry's judgmental. Mm-hmm. I would never want him to come over to my house. I don't heat the bread. Do you see what I right, mean? Right, They're just thinking, I'm a jerk who judges and criticizes He's picky. Everything. He's, He's picky. picky. Mm-hmm. Now, when the bread comes, I go, hey, this is pretty good bread. And people go, that's great. You know, you should come to our house. Like, people want to be around. Mm-hmm. And this is another kind of Hollywood tip. People want to be around positive people. If you make it in this town and you're a jerk... You are either so lucky or so talented because there are a thousand other people who are just as good as you mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to show up on time to mm-hmm. set. They're going to bring flowers. They're mm-hmm. going to bring coffee and donuts. They're going to they're going to do what you can do plus be great. There's so little room mm-hmm. for prima donnas in in this mm-hmm. business where mm-hmm. everyone wants to be in this business. So yeah. it's like. Get your stuff together, and if you're a jerk, like I don't know, go to therapy, do the landmark forum, do something. But just... go out in the desert and like for four days. Yeah, but, right. But really, and so it's a, turn up your positivity and turn down that criticism. It'll it'll make an impact on your life. Well, you know, I agree with that completely. And I and I, I said this to people: you could be the best host actor in the world, and they don't work with you. You're screwed. Yeah. 
when you have that sense of entitlement, like just like, well, I do good work, so you should be hiring me. Why aren't the offers just coming in? Why? Oh, me. Why? Do, why are you getting offers, James? Because you're the most positive person, right. you're the most team right. player. Right. Because you show up on time every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're professional and right. you're good. Yeah. So you know, I mean, these are. It's funny, you know. We're here to discuss things that help people break mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. They're fundamentals, but I think that by talking about them from a variety of angles, mm-hmm. they start to make more sense. They're they're more practical, you know. Mm-hmm. Like today, I brought you some flowers. You right? did. That's very nice of you. Guys. Yeah, and I'm only bringing that up not because it's like whatever, <laughs> right. but that's something you learn to do mm-hmm. because you watch a star. You know, I've worked with some pretty I know you heavy have. stars yeah. and. You see them come in, and when they come in, they make sure that their presence is... It's not that they're registering their presence. What they're trying to do, I think, is bring as much good energy mm-hmm. to something. So at the end of the shoot, they'll sort of have little cards or something for people. Mm-hmm. Or coming into a shoot, they'll say, hey, I brought something. Mm-hmm. Be the kind of person, I think, it, to make it in any industry, be the kind of person you've always wanted to be. Even if it feels, yeah. a, even if it feels a little forced, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, right. Screw it. Just like have pizzas delivered. I don't know. <laughs> Scott Foley, who used to be on uh, Felicity, yeah. did a sitcom with him. And in the middle of taping the sitcom in front of a live studio audience, pizza guys started coming through the oh, audience. Funny. And they said, uh, hey, everybody, Scott got these for everyone. Wow. In the a classy move, a tactical move, yeah. because the audience has been watching us yeah, act for a long time. Yeah. But just cool, you know? And yeah. so look for the things... This is sort of the fun part of acting and being in the industry is you can find your own little signature. There's some yes. actor who gives silver pennies away to people. and oh, it, like, like, you find your own fun right. thing that's right. your cool thing that makes people really happy because that's what we're here for. You're right. Be authentic. Be who you want to be, who you are. Yeah. Don't try to be somebody else. Or right? anything. Just be who you are. You have a chance to be who you are. Right? Yeah. And move through life that way and in this industry that way. Yeah. Why not be a little epic? Yeah, I like that. Actually, I like that. Yeah. Why not? Why not? You know, I just think it's just you just you just you're just a, a <laughs> just an angel of mercy. Um, okay, so in, in your in your, and you've taught me some stuff, uh, comedy stuff that now I watch because you, you said you uh, you affect I affected you, you affected me. Also. Are you going to make me do a magic trick? Is that what that'll be a little later? But oh, first, the comedy thing first. Yeah, yeah, sure. When you talk about the different comedy tricks of like write comedy writing and stuff, and I started noticing them. After you told me, and one that sticks out the most, yeah, is the three things thing. Oh, list of three. List of three. They can call list of three. So I, I was talking about the other day. I go, yeah, my name is James. I like to have long walks on the beach, candlelight dinners, and ride unicorns in the snow. Right. Like, the third thing is always something really just kind of out there. Totally. And I see it all the time now. And yeah. some, and some of them are done really well. Some aren't, but right. some are really done really well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's so. Oh God, I'm, I just heard another one. The other day, that, that it was just so surprising. But you know, comedy is based on incongruity, right? The unexpected thing. I have a very attractive seventeen-year-old neighbor girl, and the other night around midnight, she's knocking on my door, knocking on my door, knocking on my door. Finally, I'm like, "Okay, I'll let you out." So the idea of that joke, right? Okay, know, I'll right? let you out. The, the, the unexpected. <laughs> I just snorted. I just snorted right. on live TV. Whether yes. real or not, the, uh, the, the, the unexpected <laughs> thing, right? So saying, you know, I'm into the great thinkers, you know, uh, Camus, Sartre, Char- Charlie Sheen, right? Like whatever your <laughs> list of three is, right. it, it's, a, yeah, it's a cool technique. You made me snort on camera. Um, yes, I love those. I, but you also talk about, um, you've talked just about me also, about the health effect what what comedy does to your health yeah like why we laugh 
Can you explain that a little bit, like why we laugh? Yeah, I mean, we laugh. There's a guy, there was a, a comedian in New York called Uncle Dirty. And, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great name. He had a quote. I'm going to share with you the quote after I tell you this little story. Okay. So I was a kid, and I was in a comedy club. I don't know how, because I was like 12 or something. Oh, my God. Wow. In New York or something. And, <laughs> and this okay. guy told this joke. And he, the premise of the joke, he said, have you ever noticed that when you're in a public bathroom and the door is, the, the lock is broken on the door, and you see someone walking toward you? The normal sane thing to do would be to say, hello, I'm in here on the toilet. But none of us do that. We all do become the worst actor in yes. the world and do this like, <laughs> you do like a fake cough, right? Yes. Now, I had always noticed that, yeah. but I had always thought I had was the only person in the world who did that. What happened was everyone around me laughed. And I went, oh my God, all of us are weird, right? Right. And Uncle Dirty's quote is, laughter is the sound of people realizing that they're not alone. God, that's a great, that is a great, that is a great, 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 say that one more time. Laughter is the sound of people realizing that they're not alone. Wow. So laughter is usually caused by this great recognition. Oh, sorry. Me too, me too, no, me too. Usually caused by either incongruity, something you didn't expect, or rec- deep recognition. I love that. Yeah. Sounds oh my like god. It. And when you do laugh, right? When it's sort of you, there's two benefits to comedy. When you do comedy and when you receive comedy, right? So okay. when you do laugh, we know that the endorphins and the blood cells and everything everything gets better. Your body is it's like laughing is some, so there are classes, laugh yoga classes oh, where yeah, yeah. we make people laugh for minutes at a time forced and then what happens is you your body starts thinking it's real and then you do actually start laughing. It's a fantastic thing to do if you're watching at home. Make yourself laugh for a minute. Just time yourself. It feels weird, but then afterward, you feel fantastic because your oxygen flow is everything about it is great. Um, When you do comedy, you have to start by finding what's weird about yourself and sort of what's shameful. And then by talking about it, it becomes less shameful. So sort of my analogy Mm. for it is you got something that's a poisonous secret, okay? You have the boldness to write it down and say it out loud. You go like, oh, my God, I... You know, I kind of don't like how I look in a swimsuit right now, right? Which is a big, shameful secret. Mm -hmm. You say it, and everyone goes, I don't like how I look. Oh, my God, I hate how I look, too. Suddenly, there's no more. So you've neutralized the poison. Then if you make it into a joke, you turn it into medicine for other people. So not only is the poison no longer killing you, it has no effect on you, you're now a healer. So that's sort of the the healing aspect of comedy. You go, you take something that's your poisonous secret, neutralize it, turn it into medicine for others. And when you get to laugh, you get this amazing medical benefit of all of the... Just the the incredible endorphin rush and the white mm-hmm. blood cells start flooding your body. It's mm-hmm. just such a cool thing. There's a, a group out of here, Mortified. Mortified is great. Oh it's, yeah. There was first it was the book, of course. And yeah. it's, if those of you who don't know, Mortified is it's a it's about taking your. Actually, it started with the group of people around our age back in their high school periods. Your high school period, their journals. Yeah. And just you go on stage. <laughs> And you read them as you wrote them. Like, there's no editing. There's no, like, you're more editing. And I go back, I have journals from all up and through high school and early, my early 20s. And I, it is mortifying to read it. But once you go on stage. Yeah. Like you said, what you said earlier, we all were all like, "Oh my god, I totally understand." We I were love- all pretentious twerps, right? Everything everyone. was so angsty and just oh, it was so serious. And yeah, I love Def Leppard, you know, whatever it was, right? And it's like, oh, I just, I just love. So when you talk about that, I was thinking, yeah, Mortify was something that really changed my life too. When I saw the show, so I was yeah. like, and read the book. I, I love it too. I just did a sort of mortified style, style storytelling show about a month ago. It was so much fun, and I was so afraid of it. And you know, people oh, were funny. like. 
you do comedy, you've done all these things. Like, are you afraid? I go, oh my God, I don't want to talk about that. I mean, there's always these challenges of how real you can get. And then you expand out, right? Like, oh my God, I talked about that thing. And then you sort of claim that real estate for yourself. And now that's no longer shameful to talk about. And you Mm. keep pushing the envelope. That's what Louis C.K. does so well. He keeps going going so far into what can, he he keeps putting himself off balance as to how personal can he get. Some of his shows were so awkward to watch. Yeah. Like, I I felt like I was intruding. (laughs) There was so, I mean, but I love his show. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, he's hit a stride. He's so good. So when you bring him up, I I love him. But some of his stuff was so awkward and personal. Yeah. Speaking of awkward and personal, doesn't isn't there a fantasy football um, sponsor? Yes, there is. At DraftKings.com, you can go there, and basically every week you have a chance to like win a million dollars. So use the promo code BLACK. It's like Black Hollywood Live. So subtle. So subtle. Mm-hmm. B-L-A-C-K, I almost spelled it wrong. But yes, go there every week, and that's DraftKings.com. Go there and play. If you like fantasy football, it's a fun thing to do, and possibly win some some lo- some dough. DraftKings. DraftKings. Thank you. I should, oh, I should cheers, too. DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm. Let's also cut to now. We're going to cut to a clip, but first we're talk about master talent teachers. You've done oh, yeah. some videos through them and some great stuff. It's them. a website I own with Diane Christensen, um, who is uh, arguably and probably Hollywood's best kids acting teacher. Mm. She has an amazing uh, Steinfeld. Uh, I can't remember her name. Katie Steinfeld. Yeah, she yeah. was in True Grit. You know, oh, yeah. she she Oscar nominee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we have other partners. Joe Tremaine, who is a dance legend. He's wow. won every award in dance. Uh, you can find uh, videos on there from uh, Stephen Memel, who's Maroon 5's uh, voice teacher. You can yeah. find things from Kimberly Jensen and Holly Powell and all, all kinds. And of you and me. I I am the comedy guy. Yes. For that. Uh, and Carolyn Barry is, is the woman who brought us all together, who unfortunately passed recently, but we love oh, her. And this, this website lives on as a legacy to Carolyn, and we keep making things for it. So this is, uh, I made a bunch of videos, how to handle hecklers, I know, I've watched how to be good. funny, how to do this. This is one that you liked uh, about um, how to be good in a meeting. Yeah, because we're talking about meetings. That's a big thing in Hollywood, too. So let's play a clip of that, and then we're going to talk about it. Okay. Meeting philosophy. Typically, you want to focus on two things when you're going into an important industry meeting or really a meeting of any kind. There are two goals for you. One is rapport, connection. You want to make that person go, oh my God, I get that guy and I want to hire him or get that girl and I want a woman person. I want to hire that person. And the second is being able to talk about yourself in a way that is so compelling that makes someone just kind of grip into you and understand you in a way that I I can only compare to the way that Steve Jobs used to talk about Apple products, where he would start with this little black box and you'd have no idea what it was. By the end of what he was talking about, you'd say, I need an iPhone, gosh darn it. I gotta have this thing. That is how I want to train you to be able to talk about yourself and your career in meetings. We'll get to the rapport thing in another video, but in this video I want to just focus on how you can speak about yourself so professionally to presence yourself, which is the product, to this other person in a way that I don't know if you've been able to do before. Maybe you have. I have found that whenever I prepare for a meeting, I need to answer three questions Well, I think that's... That's good. That's good. So, I mean, I, I was in the corporate world and I thought we had a million meetings. I got to Hollywood... Oh, yeah. A meeting for everything. Yeah, a meeting for it, a meeting for a meeting for a meeting. It allows you to avoid doing work. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. I know. I, 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 I just, we just, we just, I'll do it again. Okay. So, but yeah. So I did, I did so many. One day I did like five meetings in a row. Yeah, That's sure. That's all I did. Yeah. One day. Just one day. That's all I did. Right. 
I didn't realize how it, so what you bring up is a really good point. Because you're selling yourself. Right. You're in this business. Whatever it is you do, if you're a comedian or an actor, or you're selling yourself. Expand right. on that a little bit. Well, I think you know. There's uh, there's two videos on there. One is about creating rapport, and that's sort of like who you're being in a meeting. And the other one is this one that we're talking about, which is you have to. And again, it doesn't matter what your profession is. And if you're, let's say you're a lawyer or a plumber, even you know, map what I'm saying onto whatever you're doing but there are three questions that you need to answer especially as an actor or performer because let's just say you're going in for an agency meeting okay. right or a manager meeting they want to know some things okay and they like knowing that you know these things and that you've put the thought into these things so who are you like when i first started acting i wanted my girlfriend at the time loved the old tv show 90210 with like brandon yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. Dylan oh, and yeah. i'm brendan all them yes yeah and i was like 19 i wanted to be an actor because i want to be like those guys because my girlfriend liked those guys and also yeah. acting seemed really fun right okay <laughs> so, um, I got here, I started taking acting class, and I thought, man, I'm going to be just like those guys, James Dean, and and who's the actors who played uh, Brandon? And Luke Perry and yeah. Jason Priestley. Okay, so you start acting. If you're lucky enough to get into good acting class, it sort of guides you toward your essence, and you realize, I am nothing like those guys. There's Those guys are cool guys. Mm-hmm. I am not cool. My cool quote, <laughs> I've never ridden a motorcycle. I don't particularly like cigarettes. I don't have any piercings. I would probably pass out if I was given a piercing. <laughs> the idea of a tattoo scares Ooh, me. Yeah. I mean, I am not that guy. So, you, what? Who are you? What are you like? Right? Who, who are you like? Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, I know who I'm like. I'm like Jason Schwartzman. I'm like mm. uh, Jason Biggs. I'm like yes. Josh Radner. I'm a little like Paul Rudd. I'm a little ah. like Ben Stiller. Like, okay, now think about it. You're a manager, right? Yeah. I walk in, you go, Jerry, what do you want to do? And I go, well, uh, Luke Perry and I, I think, are up for the same roles. You know, you go like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but if I told you those five things, you go, this guy has some understanding of where yes. I can plug him in. Even mm-hmm. if I have a different idea of where I'd eventually yeah, like to end right, up. Yeah, right, right, right. Just by saying there's a proof of concept that there are other archetypes out there that exist that are somewhat similar to me. And, and also, you show the person that you know the industry enough that you're going, yeah, I, from my observation, there are people I can, you, the fact that those people can get sold means that I can get sold. And meanwhile, you know, before Ben Stiller, yeah. there weren't that many, you know, Elliot Gould, Jerry oh, yeah. Lewis, you know, the, the, my type of guy. But before Jerry Lewis, really, there weren't really that many sort of comedic leading men. Mm. They were all looked like movie stars. Right, who did some comedies sometimes. Right. I like, guess like a Cary Grant. Cary Grant, but he's a model, model. good yeah, looking guy. Yeah, yeah. Slowly with Dustin Hoffman or whatever. So yeah. they're, they're open. But again, without if those guys didn't exist, the ability for me to sell myself as that wouldn't would be a thousand times as hard because people go, Well, sh- there's no proof of concept that that can work. Mm. The other thing you want to be able to, and I'll be very quick about these, is you want to know exactly what you want and who Mm. is the gatekeeper. Ooh, yeah. So if I go, oh, I'm an actor, I just want to be an actor, well, that's not a very specific thing. But if I say, I want to focus on science fiction and smart comedies, then I go, oh, okay, so who casts the science fiction shows? What are the science fiction shows? Who are the casting directors of the smart comedy? So who casts Two Broke Girls? Who casts Big Bang Theory, Mean Girl, Mm -hmm. whatever the New Girl? You you know who the person who, who the, is the gatekeeper, and you make it your goal. You say to your agents or whoever, "I'd like to meet these three people in this year. This is what I'm going to do to do it. How can you help me do that?" Suddenly, you're you're a dream client. You're the kind of yes. person that they want to work with I because agree you're with you. driven. Know what you want. Yeah, and the last of my three things that I teach in that thing is 
remember and know, be able to express what turns you on about something. Mm. When I was a kid, you know, I would watch reruns, actually. It's my favorite shows. The Monkees, The Brady Bunch, you Battlestar too, yeah. Galactica. Yeah. I would watch these shows and I'd go, oh man, if I could just fire a laser and kill an alien or whatever. I, I just wanted to pick a lock or shoot a laser or make people... I, I just... I loved those shows. They, they are part of my imagination. We, when I talk about those, you can sort of feel my excitement. So if you're mm-hmm. my manager and you go, hey, Jerry, there's a part on Dimitri Martin's show where you can play an alien. I'm oh, sending God. you in, right? So then, you know, I did... Get yes, you did. That. You did that, And yes. getting to be on a set with a fake spaceship, you know, <laughs> or when I, I you know... Totally surreal, I'm sure. It, it's so much fun. You yeah. really feel like you're actually living your dreams. And if you can express that in such a way that's exciting, then you're, everyone around you, your management, your agents, your friends, they're going to do what they can to line it up because you're not a mystery to them. They know what you want. They know who you are and they know who to help connect you through to mm. get it. And I think that turns you from someone who really hopes I can be an actor and hopes mm. I can do this to someone who is uh, taking their career somewhat uh, professionally and significantly. They also teach you um, to you know, act like what you want to be. Right. A lot of times um, I had a friend who would carry a briefcase. Oh, really? Mm-hmm, as a kid. Really? And as a teenager. And Where is he now, is all I want to know. He's actually working in the corner field. Really? He started living that way. Is he killing it, though? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. No, he's, really, he's doing really well. Because I won't say his not, name, because I don't know if I can say his name, but he's somebody who's doing really because well. Because if not, that's a shame, right? Like, yeah. you, you were teased your entire yeah, life. Yeah, I know that. He was teased, but he was like, I'm going to live what I want to be. Okay. And so you guys out there, again, you like fantasy football? I do. They can go on there and do fan pick teams and points and, and all kinds of stuff. Well, there's a website for you. What is it? It's called DraftKings.com. Oh, DraftKings. Yeah, DraftKings.com. Well, how much can you win, though, James? I mean, probably like 100000 max? Uh, they're, they're talking a million. A million? Like, each week you have a chance to do that. But it's pretty expensive. Can't you give me any kind of discount? Yeah, it's free. Just There's a promo. There's a promo? It's a promo. What's the promo code? I hope it's not racist. It's a, <laughs> it's called, the promo code is black. <laughs> oh, okay. B-L-A-K-A-C. So, I'm sure. Let me spell it B-L-A-C-K. Mm-hmm. Put that in there. Start playing. DraftKings. And get a chance to win a million dollars. Fantasy. DraftKings. DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. How's that? Um, yeah, so you know, you pick up, you pick up some great good points. Now, um, yeah, because meetings are just, they are so very, I mean, they're just very interesting. Because you really are selling yourself. So right. you got to know who you are at, at base level, of course, right. what you want before you even walk in the door. Right. Because you're going to get people's time. People don't and have a lot of time. And be able to express what, what, what you're doing all this for. Even if not verbally, just be able to walk in and they go, that guy loves this. Yeah. Well, attitude's important too, isn't it? Yeah. Attitude and presence. That's very important. Now, you, now you've also done um, corporate entertaining. Yeah. You've also done hosting. Yeah. Now, I want to ask about the hosting, because I'm a host, obviously. Sure. And so, I've seen your, your reel is really good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you've done so many different hosting things. Yeah. Um, so, how was it hosting? Because that's not acting. That's not comedy. That's, as I found, it's kind of you. Yeah. But... I mean, so what was your what was your feelings about about hosting? I, lo- I love hosting, and uh, and it's becoming more common now because everyone hosts their own YouTube shows and mm-hmm. things. But when I started in two thousand, wow. doing stuff for CBS, it was like a rarefied skill. You're like twenty five. Like I mean, I don't understand how two thousand you started hosting. I you know I just got really lucky and uh, got this gig with CBS in nineteen ninety nine doing this online. So the online thing was amazing yeah. because it, it and really, back then. Yeah, and I was hosting things with Antonio Sabato Jr. and things like that. Uh, I love it. It's exactly what we're doing now. It's having a conversation. And what I like being a host, one of the things I like the most about it is, and I'm not always successful at this. And and by the way, I want to just put a disclaimer. I'm... 
I don't see myself as anywhere near as successful as I want to be, could be, or should be. Okay. I think I, I make I'm not anything other than just another guy like you or anyone else mm-hmm. watching out there. There's nothing uh, special, and I every day I have just as much feeling of like, oh boy, I gotta really <laughs> pull it together, and then I do. I was like, oh, so when I give advice like this or talk about things that have mm-hmm. worked for me, you know, I do it with a real grain of salt because tomorrow I may be, you know, I remember. Let me tell you a quick story. Please, tell me. I remember being the star of a play. Henry Jaglum cast me in his play. Okay. He's a very big movie director, cast movie, had movies like uh, Last Summer in the Hamptons, Eating, okay. a big improvisational film director, and he put me as the star of his play with Tana Frederick, and we had this, and I was sort of a little puffed up, because I was like, well, I'm a big director, oh, sees uh, how yeah. good I am, right? Yeah. And there was this kid, uh, this guy, uh, sort of a heavyset guy, who had one line, basically, in the play, more or less. And his line set up my line. Oh, okay. So, you know, I was sort of like, good job, kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> good job, kid. So this kid <laughs> says to me, after I've been like... And I, I wasn't an insufferable jerk. I wasn't. But, but I definitely thought... Like, well, fool felt, yourself. I felt good, you know. Yeah. One day afterwards, he says to me, uh, oh, I, you know, I booked a pilot. I'm like, good for you, Jorge. Well done, you know? I know who it is already. Yeah. And he says, films in Hawaii. <laughs> I go, oh, good. Wow, that's great. Good kid. No, yeah, good, good kid. You know, and that was lost. Yeah. His name's Jorge Garcia. Garcia. And yeah. he went on to make so much money. <laughs> and and I, that play did very little. I mean, I, you know, I think we got written up in the LA Times, and I might have had like three lines in it about me. I mean, it was oh, completely so irre- irrelevant and insignificant. Not really. I, I mean, it was an important part. But yeah. for me, my own development. But it's... He has action figures of him. He does, sure and does. He's just in this new movie, the not the Hateful Eight, the something. Yes, I agree. So he's in something. He's about TV he's shows. He's working. He's working. So in this town today, you're tell, you're on Black Hope Live, telling people here's what you here's how to be a pro. And yeah. tomorrow, like you're nothing, and everyone mm-hmm. else who watches this, you're someone out there. Watch this, get famous, and give me a job, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, anything. exactly. I'm just trying to really, honestly, just share some things that might yeah. help someone else. You know, cheat code some stuff that took me a long time. But you're working. I mean, you've been working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but um, hosting's a, a conversation. I like to think of the question. My okay. favorite part of it is thinking, "What's the thing I always wanted to know?" It's like me, exactly. Yeah. And then what's funny is, and sometimes the person goes like, "I'm glad you asked that," mm-hmm. and sometimes the person doesn't like your question, and it's just a terrible yeah. interview. But yeah. I like a good interview. You sound like me. I always think, "What do I want to know?" I've listened on TV watching this. Like, what would I want to know? Right. Or I've always liked this person, what is it I've always wanted to know about them? Right. And I ask the, the rote questions that people always ask them. Right. Like, oh, so it's like you take your shirt off and the like, you know, that's, that's whatever. But I want to know, like, when you woke up this morning, who, you know, who told you, you know, that you're great today? Like, well, you know, how do you feel about, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. I always, always wonder about that. I, I remember I had to do a red carpet, and I can't remember, it was for the movie Chicken Run, and, oh, yeah. I, and, <laughs> and Mel Gibson doesn't like being asked stupid questions in interviews. Okay. And he went down the line, I believe it was Mel, and, and just like everyone asked him a dumb question, he just go, that's, he, he didn't say that's stupid, no. but he basically said You got that. the idea. And I asked him a question, I can't remember what it was, but he went like, wow, well, I guess, and we had this conversation, mm-hmm. and I, so I think there's a real art to asking and thinking of good questions, although I've asked my fair share of stupid <laughs> questions, and had my fair share of stars and celebrities look at me like, that is the dumbest thing. <laughs> Even when I thought it was a great question... Laura Linney at the Emmys. Don't look up that clip, but it does not Come go on. well. Oh. No. Well, he posted that later. Just, oh, God. Really, I'd love I've her. I've never, ever had an interview that just... Lit, like, I can't... Wow. You know, I asked her, I thought was a good question. It was just about... 
she she plays these women who are sort of passively aggressive. You know, you see her in the Truman Show, mm-hmm. and she's this martyr, but she's kind of horrible inside in yeah. a sense. And I asked her sort of what the secret to playing that type of person was, even more eloquently than I just yeah, did. Yeah, right now, right. And she was like, I don't know, like, connect or something? I mean, she, 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 she No, she wasn't that bad, but oh, she, but, she but. looked at me like it was the dumbest question. Right. And I thought, you that's know, a so good question. You just don't know how that's going to go. Right. So keeping the conversation afloat is, but we're, we're naturally, we're people who like to host parties too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Th- that's, that's why we like doing this. Yeah, I love it. That's, a, that's a, well, I love Laura Linney. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm not saying she was no, a I mean know, person. I I, she also was at the end of a very long day. No, I had, I had, a, I had one recently um, where I kind of insulted her. <laughs> It was Miss Deidre Hall, uh-huh. and she plays Marlena on Days of Our Lives. I had said, come over here, guys, and I would start talking because I'm a lady, not a guy. Ugh. And I started, I was like, oh, and I go, well, you're Deidre Hall. You can say whatever you want to me. I'm sorry. And she had great interview. She had great interview. Oh, great. And so, you so turned you go, it around. Yeah, you turned it around. Great. But it's kind of like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, but she's a legend. So I was like, okay, whatever you say. Um, but yeah. she gave me a lesson. I learned I learned something. So. And you used humor to, yeah. to, to turn it around. And for you... You forgave yourself, didn't you? So now you're, you're after that interview. We talked about that earlier, connecting it to earlier. Yeah, but to be honest, you're still I hated <laughs> that. I went into a big shame spiral after wow. that, and I kind of stopped working for a little bit. Uh-huh. I just didn't want to do it. And then years later, I had to, or sometime later, I had to cut a demo reel together, and I watched the footage, and I went, this isn't that bad. Yeah. Why did I do that to myself? Yeah. So, you know, we're constantly learning how to forgive ourselves. But you did ultimately down... really forgive yourself. Yeah, sure. Shook it up what we talked about earlier. So yeah, but did. I mean, turning down that judgment thing is so important to success in Hollywood, both to yourself and to others. If there's actually only one thing you took away from this interesting sort of interview, it's that Hollywood, just like golf, just like anything, it's a mental game. And one of the keys to that mental game is turning down your self-judgment. And if you think you have no self-judgment, trust me, you're probably wrong. And if you think you don't judge others, you're probably wrong. And the more you can turn that down, I guarantee you it'll make a difference to your career. I agree with that. I like that. I, I totally, I just wholeheartedly agree. Um, now, we just want to briefly the Oprah thing. So, so okay. I, feel like, I feel like we're two degrees of Oprah because uh, you worked with her company. So you didn't meet Oprah yourself. Did you meet her? Kind of, sort of. Oprah uses me as, uh, I'm not really supposed to talk about, but okay. uh, sort of a tantric sex therapist. <laughs> so I'll be get to go with her and Gail and Stedman when he was around. And just sort of lead them through <laughs> deep breathing and deep tissue massage exercises. But this, what you're talking about, James, this is when Oprah had a documentary series for Oprah.com. Uh, yes. And I can't get sued. Um, <laughs> by the way, like Oprah ever watches BLH. Yeah, yeah, right. um, <laughs> BHL, who even, to the two of you watching this, don't tell Oprah. Please. This is a real show, God okay. bless America. Yeah. No, but, but so she hired us to, it's a very long, Howie Schwartzberg is a documentary filmmaker who did a TED Talk called Gratitude Revealed. He then, Oprah then hired him to do a 16-part series about gratitude, the different aspects of gratitude, yeah. uh, wonder, generosity, uh, creativity. And um, one of the segments, creativity, uh, the wonderful director, Lara Everly, okay. uh, got chosen to do that segment, and she chose me and one of the groundling, groundlings, uh, Sam... Uh, Samantha Jacks. I'm sorry, I forgot her name for a second. And uh, but she's great too, and so great. And uh, the three of us uh, went into a women's. Uh, it's sort of a prison. Correctional. Kind yeah, of... it's it's a quarter warehouse basically. Yeah. It's a wonderful place in downtown LA called Amity. So after you get out of prison, 
you go there. Some people go there to get sober after prison, which is interesting because I didn't know people were still using it. Apparently, it's very easy to keep using in prison, which I didn't know. So they, it's a sober facility, sober living. They teach a lot of Buddhist stuff. It's, it's just an amazing place. And they chose us to teach them how to do stand-up and improv. Because that's what I do. My class is a 10-week class where you start having yeah. never done stand-up. You end at the end of 10 weeks uh, with a show. We put it up at a comedy club. Uh, for those who are interested, we're going to have a showcase in a couple of weeks. You can reach out to me at comedyclass at gmail.com, and I can invite you to it. And my website is standupcomedyclass.com. Please uh, join my mailing list if you enjoyed this uh, interview. Please do. There's lots of wisdom there, I think, hopefully, and we're just revamping it in the new in the new year. But so uh, we taught them how to do stand-up and improv, and they were amazing, and they... Uh, got so much out of it and we got so much out of it and uh, you know it was life changing for everyone involved in the project and if you um, if you google gratitude revealed uh, creativity uh, and comedy it will take you to uh, the oh free free to laugh the movie.com or something like that look mm-hmm. up the movie free to laugh.com you can contribute to uh, they're turning it into a longer film. Oh, good. And you can donate, and we'd be very happy if you did. And also, on the Breaking Into Facebook page, I did feature it this week, and it will be up for a while, so you can see it. You can watch the documentary. Watch the documentary. Yeah. Is, and I watched it. It was really good. It's really cool. It's very uplifting. I mean, it, the, the the journey that these women go through is absolutely insane and beautiful. Yeah. No, so, that, That's a great way of putting it, insane and beautiful, completely. Yeah. Uh, now, there's two questions I ask every guest. They come on my shows. Because okay. we're almost out of time, which I can't believe this. This did really fly by for you and I. I don't you'll, know. you'll have to come back have, again. I'd love to. You'll have to come back again. We have more, you have more to talk about. Yeah. Um, so these are, two, these are two questions I ask every guest. And I want your, like, kind of your first reaction. What is one word you think we should take out of our vocabulary? Oh, wow. I, I want... Huh. Huh. I believe in language uh, as something that really can stop us and move us forward. You do either. It's got to be something self-negating. Can't is too easy because right. you know. Right. But just is also one that I use all the time, oh, and just. I probably shouldn't. Um, I guess hate, but specifically as directed at oneself. And this this has mm. been the theme of our it has. of our thing. Man, I just I, I my wish for the new year. We're coming up on a new year. Is that I can just kind of let go of all of that sort of judgment and criticism and because you know you watch kids create we talked about this mm-hmm. kids just create they just make stuff they don't they don't put any consideration on it. i'm a per, per, you know a productive creative person mm-hmm. but i have so much perfectionism and mm-hmm. so I, I, my goal is to let go of it and just create stuff because when we do that we're capable of doing things that no one ever thought was possible so it really the courage to just give it up and just make and do. That's mm. that's what I, I like that. to. Um, and what were you think we should add to our vocabulary or put back into our vocabularies? Oh, wow. Um, good. And I'll tell oh, you why. Okay. When, when I teach, I ask a question quite frequently. I say, what was good about this? And it's like, after you finish anything you do, you the best thing I can do, and again, it's right on theme that we're talking about, you know, my students get off stage, and the first thing they want to do is say, well, I should have done this. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. No. What did you do well? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when we want to train a dog to do a behavior, mm-hmm. what do we do? We treat the dog. And the dog yes. goes, so you say, okay, when I do this, you sit, and when it, you throw him a treat. And then you do it again, throw him a treat. Soon, the dog can't wait till you do this because it's going to sit. Well, we need to program ourselves that way. So whenever we do something 
brave or amazing, like performing, or even if you're a writer and you write one page, just say to yourself, what, what was good about this? Well, I, I, I was able to sit, I was able to create it, there's something really creative about that. Giving ourselves the positive reinforcement and reminding ourselves what was awesome about what we just did will train us like a dog. Mm-hmm. And soon you'll want to write two pages and three pages and perform more and more and more and more. So I think good is the concept of, again, hate as the, the self I want out and good as the self I want in. God, so good. I love those. Great answers. Those are two great answers. Cool. Now, we're going to do, end it with a, a magic trick. Oh, right. Okay. Of sorts. So which one do you want to do? Um, can I do... I've been moving into mind reading stuff. Yes. So I'd like uh, to read your mind if I could. Please. There's like lots in there. All right. Um, so I'm going to have you think of a number between 1 and 10. Got it? Got it. Is it an odd number? Yes. Is it a 7? No. Is it a 3? Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, let's just test one. Let's try a harder one, okay? okay. I want you to, James, uh, think of a person. I ask you to think of a person. Okay. And I want you to think of their birth sign. Got it. Got it? And I want you to see the birth sign sort of spelled out in letters between us. Okay. All right, and so you can almost, even looking at me, because I need to kind of... Okay. So, like, I'm going to say the letters that I'm seeing. This should only take about a minute, and then we should have a a, a useful uh, uh, finish to this whole uh, segment. I'm going to say, like, I'll say I'm seeing what seems to be an R. And if I said that to you, you would say what? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. And there's also an I. Yes. And an A. Yes. (laughs) And is that an S? Yes. And then another A. This is crazy. Yes. Okay, and now another pair of letters... Uh, that's not a second S, is it? Uh, no, not not an S at the beginning and the end. No, no, no. This is this person's an Aquarius. Yes. Now, um, is this a family member? Yes. Think of her in your mind, and she's got long, longish hair. Oh my god! Yes, yes she does. Zandra. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you know that? <laughs> her birthday's February eleventh. I know. That's so weird. So that's the kind of stuff I do. And if you're interested in, you know, hiring me to do things like that, at, you know, oh please God. reach out to so me. So <laughs> crazy. At, uh, how, do you, how, how do you do that? That's, I mean, that, you know, that's what I do. It's, it's just, I don't even want to know. I don't 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 want to know. But it's just, that's, that's amazing that you were able to get that. And there's no way I could know that. No. So, and, it's such, and such an odd name. Such an, I mean, it's a... Right. Oh my god, it's my sister. It's so crazy. So cool. Oh my god, I love what a it. Lucky I'm like, person. I'm just like sitting here, so she's a beautiful person, so inside out. Make her watch this. And I'm, I'm going to. She'll be the third person. Well, you should see what. <laughs> People watch my show, they do, I swear it. And that's where we'll end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for having me on. Always. Thank you so much to come back to the show. I would love that. Yeah, and more. I can't wait to work with you and the superorganizer.com again. And, and thank yeah. you so much for having me. Thank you. If thank you, you need anything, uh, reach out to me at standupcomedyclass.com. And uh, thanks for having me on uh, Breaking In. Thank you. And now, you guys out there, uh, I'll be back next week with uh, next week with two guests again next week on the Breaking Into show we have one on Tuesday one on Thursday very exciting in the meantime you can follow us on Facebook at Black I said Black Hope LA that's my Twitter name at Breaking Into Twitter at Black Hope LA with the hashtag Breaking Into until next time remember to share knowledge lift each other up and pay it forward thanks for watching I'll see you next time 
from executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christie, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for King tuning in. KingXOBay. How you find? The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.